It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. This is, once again, Know Your Legal Rights. My name is Don Crawford Jr., the co-host of this program, and I'm sitting with Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hi, Don. How are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. I wish we were sharing the same studios like we did for so many years, and uh, but we still have to do it virtually over the telephone because of the rules and restrictions that the governor's put in place, and that little thing called the virus just won't ease up. I wish it was, and I wish everybody will continue to stay safe as we are today. Yeah, I meant to mention to you before the show, too, I was getting uh, my Alzheimer's walk emails, and it looks like they're going to have the walk, but it looks like people are going to be walking in their own neighborhoods instead of having this big, massive gathering downtown or in Denton and places like that. Is that your understanding, too? That is correct. It's going to be kind of a... It's going to be really interesting because there'll be people that will have different apps and things like that. So you'll have your own teams for perhaps where you can see people from all over the country, for that matter, uh, if you'd like. But, yes, they're still having a walk. It just won't be in the massive gatherings that have been in the past. That's disappointing. Um, But I guess what isn't these days, you just have to simply hope and pray that there still won't be more preemptions and disruptions and problems. But I guess that's just par for the course these days, and there's really simply not much we can do about it. We just have to live with it, and I guess it's creative. I guess um, they'll know after if it works or not, and is that what Michael's Marchers is going to do, I presume? Oh, yeah. Thank you very much, uh, again, for being uh, so gracious to give such a a charitable contribution to help this uh, awful disease, and uh, helping Indy and uh, finding a cure for Alzheimer's, and we appreciate uh, your support as always. Nevertheless, um, we have cures today. Thankfully, estate planning cures from you that we want to talk about, and we want to not necessarily go back to 101, but we want to address uh, what is an ominous word in my mind, one that a lot of people don't truly know what it means, and uh, you're here to not only uh, provide the true definition of the word, but also uh, to give us examples as to what exactly people don't understand about that thing called probate. Yeah, first of all, I thought that this should be a simple, uh, we'd probably go through about a dozen commonly asked questions about probate, because a lot of people always say, what is probate? I don't understand that word. So first of all, probate is the process where the court confirms somebody dies and determines who has the authority to collect the assets of the estate of that person who died and pay the creditors of the estate, mm-hmm. and then is distribute the assets of the estate, either under the terms if there's a valid will or under the laws of intestacy if there is no will. Intestacy means when there's no will. So if you have a will, what you do is you 
uh, would be to, do you always have to have, a, I mean, do you, if you have a will, does that mean you always have to probate? And the answer is no. A lot of people be clicking their heels and jumping for joy when they hear that. Oh, you mean I, if I have a will, I don't have to probate? Well, sometimes uh, you don't have to probate because if your assets all have some sort of like beneficiary designation, uh, then that would supersede uh, probate. So if you mm. had a retirement account, typically you have a beneficiary designated. Or if you have a life insurance policy, and sometimes bank accounts are either joint with rise survivorship or paid on death, or sometimes brokerage accounts, they transfer on death. Uh, so those things would supersede probate. Great. They say, oh, gee, well, that's great. We don't have to go through probate. That's wonderful. But sometimes mm-hmm. you would rather have it go through probate because uh, of various reasons. Sometimes you have somebody who is disabled or somebody and you don't want it to go to them directly because it might jeopardize public benefits or they can't handle things. Or mm-hmm. Sometimes you want to protect somebody from creditors or you're concerned about somebody's remarriage or you're concerned about uh, all sorts of different things. Uh, it could be uh, that you're concerned. We talked about, I think on last week's show, we talked about 10 different bad things that could occur uh, if somebody inherits directly. So if you're interested in that, of course, we have podcasts of each of these shows uh, just go to our website at DallasElderLawyer.com if you're interested in those different things. Another common question that we get is, if you're married and your only asset is your home and your car, do I have to probate uh, my deceased spouse's will? Um, well, it depends. Um, the if, You know, if that person who died had children from a prior marriage and you don't probate the will, then the surviving spouse, so let's say you said everything to my spouse, but um, but you had a child from a prior relationship. Well, first of all, just because you have the will doesn't mean that it's, off, it's, it's valid. The court mm-hmm. has to determine it's valid. Mm-hmm. And so that means you actually have to get a court and say the order is good, yes. But then you say, well, gee, I'm, I'm the spouse. I should be entitled to everything right. Well, not necessarily. If you have a child from a prior marriage, if you don't probate that will, then you're going to be partners with the deceased spouse's children on the assets. So you do have to probate the will, if you, especially if the deceased spouse had children from a prior relationship. Wow. Uh, now, there are a couple different ways of probate. And, we, and, and so a lot of people are... are, um, are you know, misunderstand. They just think that I'm a spouse. I call the county clerk. They said, oh, we'll just put the property in your name. But when it comes to time when you sell that property, the title company is going to do a search and see has the, whose title is it in. And just because it's a, uh, a community property state doesn't mean that you get all the one-half interest uh, of your spouse mm-hmm. unless... I mean, if it, if the, all the children were born of the same marriage, then often you can do what's called an affidavit of heirship, an affidavit of heirship. That's when you say that even if I had a will, there was no need to really probate the will if there are no debts owed by the estate. Mm-hmm. So usually title companies will allow you to have an affidavit of heirship, so then it, you didn't have to go through probate if, the, you know, if, if the, all the children were born of the same marriage. Now, the only problem with that is a lot of times they make you wait for a year or two uh, to sign to have somebody sign the affidavit, because the which would be signed by the let's say the surviving spouse and uh, two disinterested witnesses who knew the deceased. And the reason why is because if there's going to be creditors, they're usually going to be 
in the first year or two after the person died. And one of the things that you have to say in the affidavit that is filed in the deed records of the county where the person uh, resided is the uh, you have to say there's no debts. Mm. So sometimes you don't have to through, go through probate. You can go through what is a uh, what's called an affidavit of heirship, and title companies would also recognize that. But if you're more in a rush, let's say you want to sell the property, then you can just probate the will. And, uh, and it's usually not a difficult process, but um, but it is a process that you have to go through to be able to act and sell it quickly uh, if the title company will not lie upon an affidavit of heirship uh, until after a year or two. Okay. Uh, then you might say, whose duty was it to, to probate? Who 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 mm-hmm. who has the obligation to do it? Who has to bring it? Well, it's usually the, the person whose name is the executor, mm. the person whose name is executor. So, mm. so you, so the executor files an application for probate. Uh, now, if somebody let's say you didn't have a will, then typically, so it's not just uh, you know probate's not only if you have a will. Sometimes you don't have a valid will, and then you have to determine who the heirs are at law. And so that, and how property would be distributed. So that's mm-hmm. a different process. So just think of it, and there's going to be two different ways of probate, and then there's also mm-hmm. things called administration, which we'll get to, I guess, in just a minute. Mm-hmm. But um, So the duty is of the executor, if there's an executor, to uh, bring the application for probate. And um, if there's no will, then it's going to be uh, an heir who will make an application to determine who the heirs are. You mm-hmm. might say, well, I know who my heirs are. Well, but you see, that's not the way it works because they, there'll be another attorney. If you don't have a will, uh, then the court will appoint an ad litem, an attorney, to determine if there are other heirs. He, that person's job is to find out if there's anybody else out there. Well, and if they are, because then they have to go, you know, because then it goes by the laws of intestacy. So, yeah. um, so, so it's so it's a better. It, Either to have a will, of course, a lot of times you don't have to worry about the, any of these processes if you had a trust. Uh, if you had a trust, then, you know, and the assets uh, or the beneficiary designations in combination with a, a trust, then you avoid the whole probate process to begin nice. with. So uh, a lot of people prefer trust just because then you have to go by the state's rules. And, you know, what's also surprising is that the rules of each court are different. Mm-hmm. Um there's a uh, one court may be much more difficult as, and quite frankly, that is often the case. Mm-hmm. than another court, and it's just luck of the draw in Dallas County. Who, which court? There's three probate courts in Dallas County, for example. And um, one court requires a lot more stuff than the others. They just feel more comfortable with mm-hmm. having saying, say, for example, when you say you're disqualified or somebody for an executor to be qualified. You have to not be convicted of a felony or mm-hmm. adjudicated as incompetent, and they make you put down all that language in the uh, in the testimony. Whereas other courts will just say, as far as the proof, it's actually in writing. Whereas other courts will just say, well, just say that you're you're not disqualified, and then we go through it in the proof. So some courts require more than others, mm-hmm. and it's just what their their comfort level is. Okay. Anyway, so if you, but if, of course, if you had a trust, then you don't have to mess with the courts at all and with the attorneys or, or whomever else it may be because you've done all the work in advance. So a lot of people prefer that, especially since uh, you can say, you know, if you just had beneficiary designations, it doesn't cover what happens if that person dies 
first or if that person is disabled or if that right. person has a marital problem or if that person has a credit problem, the list goes on. Let me ask um, you before you go uh, any further, how, when you're familiar with the three courts, is it the same judges and is it just three judges or does it rotate? Now, there's, there are three, three elected judges mm-hmm. uh, in Dallas County mm-hmm. and then there's three associate judges. So oh. a lot of times it will depend upon, um, so a lot of times the hearings are done before um, uh, the associate judges, especially if it's uncontested. Mm. Uh, and so, uh, and that gets into one of the other questions is now things are done differently because of COVID-19. Right. Now we're doing, some courts do it by Zoom, others mm. just do it by teleconference. Uh, you do have to have a notary if they're, if it's not by Zoom. So that's uh, another thing that things are done differently. We see a lot of times you just have a, a time scheduled uh, and you do it now. This is uh, different, you know, since, uh, since April, uh, the judge, the governors had signed a temporary order. We've talked about this on prior shows that you can sign different wills and powers of attorney and other documents now uh, virtually. Well, also, you could have these uncontested matters heard virtually. And so it's luck of the draw of which court you're in. Uh, you're likely in Dallas County to get uh, probate courts, uh, the first one or the second one, uh, as opposed to probate court number three, because the probate court number three handles like mental illness. So there's going to be less allotted to uh, uh, to wills okay. uh, and probating of wills. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, the next question might be, would be, how long do you have to probate a will? Well, if the answer is you're supposed to do it within four years. Now, if you don't mm-hmm. do it within four years, it's presumed that you'd have to go by the laws of intestacy unless there's a good reason why you didn't do it within four years. So mm-hmm. if you just found the will, uh, you know, six years later, oh, it was underneath the cushion in the couch, uh, and now I need to do probate this will for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say, uh, you know, let's say it was like that case with the spouse, and the spouse was uh, had a home, and they wanted to sell the home, and they found the will. Oh my goodness! I mean, what do you mean? I have to get the permission of his kids to sell the home? You know. Yeah. So then, uh, if you found that will, then you certainly would want to probate it. Uh, now you can only probate it after four years, as it, what they call as a minimum of title. Mm. Minimum of title. That's unique to Texas. Um, Minimum title is when there's no debts owed, so you really don't have to appoint an executor. So, muniment, uh, which is spelled M-U-N-I-M-E-N-T of title, you basically say whatever the will says is the way it goes. I promise there's no debts. I don't need to have an executor appointed. Hmm. I don't have to get letters testamentary. I don't have to get. Uh, I don't have to do an inventory. And the other things that are usually required when you probate a will. You don't have to do it. All you have to do is have you'll have a hearing. You have to apply for probate. You have to still have a proof that there are no mm-hmm. debts and the person died. Because, you know, the process is to say, uh, you know, did so-and-so die? Now are there any debts? And was the will valid? Mm-hmm. So, um, but again, muniment of title is when there are no debts. And you just say that whatever the will says is the way it goes. You get a court order. So if you have real estate... Uh, let's say a homestead, mm-hmm. you file that order in the deed records of the county where the property is located, and then that property would go, let's say, to the surviving spouse in our example. Okay. So probate is a minimum of title. And, of course, I'd like I was about to say that uh, financial institutions are not familiar with this because this is not the law in most states. In fact, it's unique to Texas. 
Uh, so we have to often just show them the law, the estate's code, to show that we can probate as a minimum of title in Texas so that things could be transferred. Very good. Um, before we go any further, Michael, we know there's a lot more questions regarding probate, but the purpose of this program after all these years um, is to create triggers to get people to think about their situation, whether it's producer Jennifer, me, or the thousands of listeners or thousands of people that listen to Michael's podcast at the DallasElderLawyer.com. If you want to get a copy of this program, if you want to share this program with other people, just go to that website and um, download the program. Very easy to do. Uh, but we want you to think about your estate plan, not necessarily about probate, even though uh, that's important and it's something that you may want to avoid with uh, many vehicles that Michael has to offer. But the point is to also get you to realize that everyone's plan, in my opinion, and probably Michael's as well, needs to be evaluated or reevaluated in light of the virus alone. As Michael said a few minutes ago, things have changed. Um, you may have not realized, but you, you, you could have died if you got the virus, but you didn't. Or you contracted the virus, and then you decided, I better change my plan or update my plan, and then you didn't pass away, and you beat the virus. Whatever the reasons are, you haven't addressed your plan in years. Whatever they are, legislation, um, a new president three years ago, um, new Texas laws, new federal laws, it's time to have Michael take a look at it just to be safe because he's on top of this better than anybody. He writes a blog every month. And the state of Texas tells him or awards him top 10 blogs for attorneys in, in the entire state. Happens like every month now for Michael. It's, it's almost a waste of time telling the audience how special that is, even though it is incredibly exceptional. So the point is, attend Michael's next workshop, which is Thursday, July the 30th at 1 o'clock, to have your plan evaluated by him, um, because that is the first step. First step is to go to the workshop, and you never have to leave your house to go, meaning it's virtual, it's online, and it's a basically a Zoom meeting, but you don't use Zoom. I'll let Michael tell you about how easy it is and the purposes of the workshop. Michael? Yeah, really the purpose of the workshop is really more of an educational process. So whatever your questions are, we've talked about probate today, but it could be that you're asking questions just like you said about your own estate plan. It could be that there'll be new legislation that'll be happening in the near future. Mm -hmm. uh, we had legislation regarding the coronavirus earlier this year. It says did impact different planning that we do, and also the Secure Act with tax laws changing with regard to retirement accounts, Medicaid laws change all the time, veterans benefits laws change all the time, special needs laws may change from time to time. So there's different things that happen from time to time. That uh, that you know, I, I had a call with my uh, staff earlier uh, today, and the uh, it was interesting because the uh, when we talked about it, uh, one of the my staff members was not aware of that you could change somebody's will after they died if it's for tax purposes All right. or if the person had public benefits. And so, uh, so we, you know, so you know, it's an educational process. Well, whatever questions you might have, uh, then you just ask them. That's what we usually start off the workshop with: is what is it that you would like to know about any of these things regarding estate planning? And then over the two-hour time frame. We answer those questions. Then, then if and only if you want to go forward in a, for us to review your estate plan, 
then we will take a glance at it, and in fact, we'll actually have an hour meeting with you. So basically, you get three free hours of education without any obligation at all. Uh, and so uh, to do that, uh, to have that take advantage of that opportunity, uh, all you have to do is call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102, or sign up online at Dallas elderlawyer.com that's dallas elderlawyer.com and you'll get that three free hours that's easy for me to say uh free legal education excellent uh, that you'll join us because we it's usually it, it usually ends that we, every every workshop's different because the questions are different each time invariably mm-hmm. you'll learn something good and we hope you do that so we've got uh, more questions regarding probate michael in about the seven or eight minutes we have left Okay, so the next thing is that people commonly hear what's uh, the term letters testamentary or perhaps letters of administration. So if you have some sort of stock, let's say Google stock or IBM stock or whatever stock you might have hold and you pass, how do you transfer if there's no beneficiary designation or if it's not joint? Well, then what happens is the financial institution wants authority, so you get letters testamentary if there's a last will and testament or letters of administration if there's not a last will and testament that has been determined to be valid, mm-hmm. so uh, or if there's no will. Uh, so letters testamentary, you actually, after the court signs an order, they get grant letters testamentary to the executor, who then has the authority to gather up the assets, pay the bills, and distribute according to the terms of the will. On the other hand, if there is not a valid will, then then one of the heirs goes to court and asks for an administration. If the heirs can all agree, they could appoint uh, one particular, let's say, heir as the independent administrator. So it acts just like the um, uh, the person who is the has letters testamentary, the executor, except where you have to first determine who the heirs are. Uh, remember, it's a, it's a lengthier process, and if they're if they can agree, then there's a thing called dependent administration. That is the worst thing. Because then not only you have to determine who the heirs are, but then every time you do something, you have to get court uh, authority. So if you want to sell uh, property or you have to have an annual accounting, it's going to be very expensive. Uh, there could be at least it'll be at least two attorneys involved, and perhaps more, depending on if there's uh, any kind of disputes. Uh, so uh, you know you need to have something. Uh, you would think no matter what. Now, I say no matter what, there are situations if you don't, if you have a really small estate, I say, let's say without even a home, if your home, if your assets are less than $75,000 in Texas, then there's a thing called a small estates affidavit where, uh, so let's say you have just, uh, uh, you don't have any real estate and you have, uh, although a home doesn't count, but there's an, ex- but just because a home doesn't count, the, the, it does count if there's not somebody living in that home, let's say a spouse, um, uh, at that time of death. So if it went to the children, unless that child, uh, there are, there has to be some exceptions, and generally that house would count. So you lose that homestead status after the person dies. But if let's say you just had uh, $50,000 in a bank account, then mm-hmm. an individual account, usually an individual account equals probate. However, uh, in Texas, if there is no will, and there's no effort to make an administration, you could have what's called a small estate's affidavit in order. It's kind of like that affidavit of heirship that we talked about before, except for it's a court order, uh, you, but you don't have to go to court. 
You mm. literally file an affidavit saying, here's who the heirs are, all the heirs sign it, maybe have two disinterested witnesses sign, and you file it with the court, and you get an order of the court, and then now the bank can transfer to whoever those heirs may be. You also have to say if there's any debts. So mm-hmm. uh, that's called a small estate's affidavit in order. So now we've talked about if you have a will, uh, get the letter of testamentary, if you, or if sometimes uh, you don't need the probate will. We talked about if you have a home and or real estate and there's uh, no debts, you can sometimes do an affidavit of heirship. Uh, if there is no will, we talked about uh, sometimes you have an independent administration, sometimes it's a dependent administration if the heirs can't agree. And now I've just talked about a small state's affidavit if you have nothing at all. Now, another question might be, well, do I need an attorney? Well, under the state law, the answer is yeah. And the reason why is that you're not just representing the heirs. You're also representing the creditors. The mm-hmm. court has to not only determine that you died, but they also have to determine, you know, you have to act in the interest of the creditors as well as the, uh, as well as the beneficiaries. Right. So if you're, um, uh, you know, the creditors can make claims, uh, and the court would also have jurisdiction uh, to determine whether a claim is good or valid or not. So mm-hmm. they could, they have a time frame after the will is probated to do that. Uh, you might ask, well, what kind of information is needed uh, to to probate a will? Well, typically the attorney asks for a death certificate, statements of accounts, see if there's beneficiary designations, if there's deeds or if there's life insurance policies or stocks or bonds or car titles or boat titles. Uh, some courts required the last three digits of your driver's license and social security number of both the deceased and whoever's applying for probate the executor. So there's different things that think people usually ask for, the attorneys usually ask for in the uh, probate process because uh, there's going to be an inventory, um, and so you have to eventually have to say what the assets are that need to be transferred. Uh, and that could be a matter of public record, but if there are no debts or if all the debts have been paid, you could have an affidavit saying so you could have privacy in lieu of the inventory if you do that soon enough uh, so to avoid um, to have privacy. Um, if you ask me how long the time the whole process takes, um, well, it will depend. Uh, is, is the will being contested? Are there creditor issues? Is there somebody that's disabled or a minor who's a beneficiary? How long will it take to get in control of the assets or collect assets belonging to the estate? Generally, it's not a problem. A lot of times you could do it certainly within six months uh, if there are no problems, if there are no problems. Uh, if there are problems, then you have to add time to it, and that adds, quite frankly, to cost, especially if there's a will contest. Of course, as I said before, the probate process is, is different a little bit now. It's the same thing. So usually when you probate a, a will at the courthouse, uh, we would actually um, you know, get letters testamentary that very same day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, since we're doing things by Zoom, uh, the process is, is uh, it may take weeks before they even what they call post the notice. So that usually when you file the application for probate, they have to post a notice for people to contest. It takes them longer because they have smaller staffs at the courthouse uh, to post the notice. So it takes a lot longer before we actually heard now, at least in Dallas County, it's not that way in Collin County and some of the other counties. So it just depends. It varies from county to county. Mm-hmm. And also it takes longer to get letters testamentary and to get some of the other things done. So right now, the good news is you don't have to go to the courthouse. You don't have to go downtown and park or uh, wait in line for it to be heard. Uh, but the bad news is it takes longer to uh, get letters testamentary or to uh, uh, 
uh, get some of the notice posted. So, so the process seems to be a little bit longer now, uh, just because uh, the you know people are just less people are at at the you know courthouse. Well, the good news is that um, you can advance your situation free by going to Michael's next workshop Thursday, July the thirtieth at one o'clock. The way to sign up is to dial two one four seven two zero zero one zero two two one four seven two zero zero one zero two or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElder, E-L-D-E-R, Lawyer.com. We're out of time, Michael. Thank you so much for the education, and we look forward to the next program, uh, which will be next week. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. A leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214 214- Seven two zero zero one zero two. That's two one four seven two zero zero one zero two. A talk show host on seven seventy K for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 